Ephesians chapter 5, starting with the 15th verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's word, God's people, and God's people said amen. amen. For the time that is ours to uh, spend together, I want to talk a little bit about time. Uh, you may not be able to tell by looking at me, but I am a huge fan of Morris Day in the Time. Uh, Prince, too. That, that, that whole crew from that Minnesota area, all of them, I am a big fan of their music. Since I was an infant. And probably before that, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, Mom took me to a Prince concert once or twice while I was still in the womb. So, so, so the music kind of speaks to my soul. I'm pretty sure if ever you were to talk to my mom or dad about it, they have some, some wonderful stories about me as an infant dealing with some Morris Day in the Time music. Uh, but none I'm, I'm going to share right now. They're, they're, they're uh, not fit for the pulpit. <clears throat> but I paid particular attention not just to Morris Day in the Time, but time in general. Even when I cannot be on time, I still pay attention to time. Uh, when I'm running late for something, I immediately become stressed. That's probably the most stressed I ever am about a situation. I grew up in a household where my mother kept the clocks between 12 and 14 minutes ahead of the actual time. It was, it was never 10 to 15 because if you saw 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you could mentally check and say, okay, this is the actual time. No, it's 12 to 14. I have meetings after work that I have to go to sometimes and I'll get off at three from my job and the meeting might not be until five. I'm going to go straight to the place if I am worried about possibly getting home and not making it back to the meeting on time. I would rather sit in my car for an hour and a half than be late. I have a bunch of watches and I look at them all the time. I can have conversations about timepieces and movement and chronometers 
and I even on Instagram follow a bunch of watchmakers just so I can see the latest and greatest on timepieces. I don't know everything about watches, but I'm learning as I go. I pay attention to time a whole lot because I also ran track in middle school and high school, so I look at time a lot differently. A tenth of a second may not be much to you, but it is a lot to me. Because in a 100 meter dash, a tenth of a second, you can catch up by leaning. Two tenths of a second, you have lost the race. You're probably about three feet apart, but you're still close enough to be in the race. Five tenths of a second, you are looking at someone's back. And if you were to lose by an entire second in the 100 meter dash, the 100 meter dash is probably not the event for you because you've got the doors blown off of you. I pay attention to time. I, I knew for a very long time that my reaction time was 18.18. And I was happy about that because that was pretty fast. I don't like to sit still. Even when I am sitting still, I've got a bunch of other things I'm thinking about. Even when I am on time for something, I will go fast because I like to maximize the time it takes to get places. I pay attention to time, even when it doesn't look like it. In the text, the Apostle Paul does not have a watch a calendar or an iPhone or any of the other trappings that we have in these days to plan our time. But the Apostle Paul is still talking about time. He's not talking about running races, 100 meter dashes, anything like that, at least not in this passage. But he's still talking about time and what we devote our time to. Uh, in the New Testament Greek, there are two types of time. There is kairos and there is chronos. Chronos is more about how we calculate our time. When they use chronos, they're using uh, seconds, minutes, hours, days, years, decades from point A to point B. Kairos is more of a, a decisive time, uh, an appointed time or the right time. When I look at my path to ordination or even just my path to appointment in the process of the United Methodist Church, Kronos says I had to go before the DCOM three times before I got certified. Kronos says it took me almost five years to get certified and then another two or three years before I got my first appointment. But Kairos says I got my appointment when God was ready for me to have my appointment. When it's, I mean, but Kairos is more about the right.
right time when everything fits. I'm reminded of the saying, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. God's time is not our time. And so the way things work out, the way we would think something's supposed to be, how and when and where and why and by what means of how it's supposed to happen, we're in a chronos mindset. But we have to understand that God is operating in a kairos mindset. And kairos is what the Apostle Paul says in the text when he says about redeeming. That is the time he is talking about in the text. God's time. God's wisdom. God's plan. You know, if you could figure everything out yourself, what would you need God for? If I were operating, if I were operating in Kronos and had everything go the way I planned, my life would be a lot different. But it would also be a lot wrong. Redeeming the time. Some translations, when they say redeeming, it also says to make the most out of. Because the Greek word that they use for redeeming, it means to purchase or to buy back or to make the most out of. You are given this time, so you should use it for what God wants. I look at the Apostle Paul and he says that we need to make the most out of our time because the days are evil. What do they say? The idle mind is the devil's workshop. I can think about most of the time when something went wrong with people I know or even people I don't know. It usually got started because they didn't have much to do with their time. I'm reminded of a TV show I used to watch. Uh, called The Wire and it was based on uh, the police and the drug trade and the education trade and basically everything that went on in the city of Baltimore so one season they talk about the news and one season they talk about drugs and one season they talk about the unions and it was pretty diverse but I remember one of the uh, characters saying they had a program where they were going to mentor some young people and they said we need corner boys uh, and the people were kind of confused they were like stoop what, 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 are, what, are, what, are, what are corner boys and he said there were two type of children in our city stoop boys and corner boys and these boys would sit out on the stoop or the front porch of their apartment complex or the front porch of their house and mom or dad would say you stay on this stoop, and I'm going to go somewhere else. And they said a stoop boy would stay there the whole time until mom or dad got back. Whereas a corner boy would leave the stoop as soon as mom or dad was out of sight and go down to the corner and see what was going on. I found that applicable because when we talk about time, I can't imagine having that much time on my hands growing up. 
I was not allowed to just sit on a stoop. Had to make the most of the time, so be it football or track or the brotherhood or youth choir or respect academy. Rites of passage, rocket club, where I would learn to build model rockets and launch them, or just visiting a, a fel, uh, an engineer and taking a tour of an engineering facility. I was not allowed to sit around and do anything. I needed to make the most of our time. Because if you did not make the most of your time, something else would fill it up. So we need to use first point of the sermon we need to use every opportunity we have for good. Every opportunity we have needs to be used for good. Because if we do not use the opportunities for good, then evil will take its place. Just hanging out and seeing what's going on and usually you'll find something to do that's not good. I also kind of chuckle when I think about using time. Uh, I think about some of these signs that I see. Uh, there's a sign on, well, it used to be there on Bellway 8, just past, uh, uh, well, before you got to the West Airport exit. It was a big sign, and it had a poster board on it. And this poster board was calculating the exact time that Jesus was supposed to come back. They had gone through the scriptures and looked at the chronos in the scriptures and decided that Jesus was going to come back on this day. And I've been in the Houston area since August of 1998. And as long as that sign has been there, the sign has gotten longer and longer and longer because the date that they would calculate would be the wrong date. And then I guess they'd go back and do the math and add extra dates to it. And it kept going longer and longer and longer until eventually they took the whole thing down. They were operating on Kronos. God operates on Kairos. God's kingdom will return when God says it's ready. It's not for us to calculate the date. You are putting or trying to put an exact science on something that is not and it is, it, that is an, something that is an inexact event. We are to work for God. Use every opportunity we have for good and not worry about when the return comes. All right. All right. We must use every opportunity for good. Speaking of time and speaking of stress, uh, there have been times I've noticed when I was preparing for a test or preparing to study something that I would get real particular about my time. And I would be thinking while I'm eating, I should probably be studying. If I finish my food just a little bit faster, I'll have more time to study. We ought to be able to figure out what's best for our time and use it right. Use every opportunity for good. 
Second point. In verse 18, it says, and do not be drunk with wine. And some translations say, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes when you preach this sermon or when you hear this sermon, you'll hear people use it to talk about why we should not drink. They'll use it to talk about the evils and the dangers of alcohol and why we need to leave it alone. I am not here to talk about the dangers of alcohol, nor am I here to talk about the day, how awesome alcohol is. It's, uh, I'm neither that for or against it when I preach this text. Something gets overlooked when you read the text. Why would they be talking about alcohol in a, in a passage where they have not been mentioning any other thing beforehand? There's a part that gets overlooked in the text. See, during those times, there was, an, why, why, the, the, there was another God that was being worshipped in that area by the name of Dionysus. And Dionysus was the God of wine. And people thought if they filled themselves up with wine, that they would get the inspiration from Dionysus or the medication from Dionysus or they would get the healing that they were looking for. And so wine was a common drink back then. So a lot of people drank it, but when you drank it to excess, people were doing it as a form of worship. So the reason that the Apostle Paul would offer the Holy Spirit in place of the wine is because he was telling them, you're using your time incorrectly. You're looking to Dionysus for your healing when you ought to be looking for the Spirit. You're looking for Dionysus for your inspiration when you ought to be looking for the comforter for your inspiration. The part that gets overlooked in that text is again in what you try to use your time for. This was a form of worship. And instead of worshiping the true and living God, he was said they were out there worshiping Dionysus. And Apostle Paul said, I think I have something a little better for you to do with your time. Amen. Amen. In looking at time, they say that you can tell whatever a person worships by where they spend their money and where they spend their time. Some of us worship at the altar of our job. Some of us worship at the altar of another person or a group. Some of us worship at the altar of money. Some of us worship at the altar of power. We have to be in charge. We have to be able to tell somebody else what to do. What you spend your time on where you spend your money, where you spend your talents, it's easy to tell what you worship. Paul was telling them not to spend their time chasing after worthless things, but to spend their time trying to fill up on the Holy Spirit. Paul was offering them a better use of their time. 
Then it goes on to say that we should use music. The next, the third point is that we should use music to encourage each other to worship God. Text says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Music can be uplifting. Music can encourage. Worship creates an atmosphere. As one brother told me once, uh, who was also a, a minister in the music area, music fertilizes the soil. For you to plant your seed. And I know when I am down. I have a phone full of songs. That can lift me up. I have a phone full of songs. That can get me thinking about the goodness of Jesus. And all that he has done for me. I know I can go and think to, and listen to. I know the Lord can make a way somehow. I can hear that the Lord is blessing me right now. I can hear that I am encouraged to walk with Jesus. And then I can hear, I hear it on my way to worship so that it makes it better for me to worship. Worship is not just for the church. I'm in the text and he says, speaking to one another in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It doesn't say in church. It doesn't say in Bible study. I, I, I would imply that this means period. We are to worship on our way to worship. Because worship is not about entertainment. Those on stage are not here to entertain those in the audience. It's not about how good the person is or how good they're not. It's not about who gets to lead worship. It's about who we worship. We worship comes from a word that literally means worth. Your worship should not be about your favorite song. Your worship should not be about the opportunity to lead in your favorite solo. Worship should be about what God is worth to you. And like the song says, sometimes we have to encourage ourselves. My phone might be dead on the battery. The battery might be dead, so I may not be able to go, but I still have the songs in my heart. May not be able to call up the choir. May not be able to get the minister of music to come play for you. You got to be able to worship on your own. You have to be able to get it on your own. And you get it on your own by devoting your time to it. And then we ought to be thankful for all things. Prayer and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. It's the proper response for what God has done in our lives. He gave us life, health, and strength. We ought to thank him. Woke us up in our right minds. We ought to thank him. Got a reasonable portion of health and strength. We ought to thank him. And if we don't want to thank him for what he's done, I mean, I wouldn't understand why you want to do that. But there's still plenty of things that haven't happened to you that you ought to be thankful for. There's no telling what kind of things you were protected from on the highways and byways getting down here. 
No telling what was out on the streets at night while you were sleeping in your home that did not come in. You ought to thank him for it. God keeps a hedge of protection around us and we ought to thank him for it. And if we can't thank him for what he's done and if we can't thank him for the things that did not happen for him, we should at least be able to thank him for Jesus. For it is with Jesus' work on the cross, the work of Christ at Calvary that we ought to thank him for that Friday morning on Golgotha, a.k.a. the place of the skull. We ought to thank him for making that trip because he didn't have to do it, but he did. We ought to thank him for getting up on that cross. We ought to thank him for taking our place. We ought to thank him for dying for our sins. But not only that, we ought to thank him for the third day getting back up with all power in his hand. So that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We ought to thank him because he's our VIP pass to heaven. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.